0: Hi everyone, and welcome to podcast episode number 11 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is "The Queen of Being an Open Book," an interview with Danielle Van Kampfau. My name is Richard Johansson,
1: and I'm Matt Sabatello.
0: Today we're talking with our first European guest, Danielle Van Kampfau is a Dutch eating disorder recovery and invisible chronic illness coach. Welcome, Danielle Van Kampfau. Hey guys, thank you for having me. Danielle Van Kampfau. Has dedicated her life and career to serving people suffering from eating disorders and invisible chronic illnesses. Ms. Von Kampfeldt suffered a tick bite at the age of seven that resulted in her suffering from various symptoms of chronic Lyme disease for over 20 years, including 15 years of the eating disorder anorexia. Through her eating disorder coaching programs and social media platforms, Ms. Van Kampfeld helps people through their struggles by being open and relatable. In her YouTube videos, Instagram, and blog, Ms. Van Kampfelt became known as the queen of being an open book by sharing her personal thoughts and life events to help her followers recognize they are not alone in their struggles with chronic illnesses and eating disorders.
1: So, Danielle, thank you for joining us today on our podcast, and we're going to jump right in with some questions for you. Can you please describe what your life was like before you were 18 and what your aspirations and goals were? Yes, of course.
2: Well, um, I uh, grew up in the woods, in the nature of the Netherlands, in uh, part of the Netherlands, close to Amsterdam. And I um, had a childhood which was kind of turbulent. My mom and dad didn't have the greatest relationship, so I already was kind of stressed as a small child. And from uh, age seven, I noticed that I started getting a lot of health. Um, issues so I had constant chronic bladder infections I was always tired and being this small child and then turning into a teenager and you know adolescence and all that stuff you think okay this is just part of life because I didn't know any better at the same time I was also um and my mom found a tick in my left knee when I was seven and she removed it and we just went on with our lives. Back then it wasn't really a thing that you call up your GP and say, hey, uh, listen, my daughter has been affected by, uh, by a tick uh, or I just removed the tick, let, let let her be checked on, you know, or uh, for, for Lyme disease or something. Um, and so, yeah, I just continued my life and then... Around age 18, I started having a lot of um, basically, yeah, I developed an eating disorder. I already started a lot of diets beforehand because I, um, um, yeah, gained a lot of weight within a very short amount of time, which was, of course, due to hormones. Um, yeah, I was just basically into my puberty. So it kind of makes sense that you gain a lot of weight within a short amount of time. But for me, it was this this life-altering thing that I thought, oh my God, I was this type A, obedient, uh, perfect perfectionistic person who wanted to uh, basically perfect make my body this perfect type of thing which isn't really feasible but at the same time um, when you have this disordered mind you can actually do that and that's the that's where the eating disorder started eating disorder started Um, and so at age 18 I got diagnosed with anorexia because I lost a lot of weight within also a very short amount of time I got very obsessed with exercise exercising and um, then around Age 20, I uh, started um, university, and I re- reached finally a healthy weight due to a lot of great therapy. And I went into um, nutrition and dietetic school or university, basically. And within that year, 2021, I immediately um, within a couple of months, I got extremely ill, um, and yeah, I I'm just
1: stop you there if that's okay. Um, I just want to you know, backtrack a little bit and ask you. So, um, your childhood was, you know, relatively normal. You had some health issues that you attributed to just, you know, being a child and normal things that would go on in, you know, a child's life. Um, and and prior to, you know, turning 20, and when you really started to get, you know, really sick after your bout with anorexia, can you just give us a little more insight into what your goals were? Um, you know, you mentioned that you went to university. What you know, what you wanted to study, what you wanted to be uh, once you graduated college and university, and what your aspirations were really. So you know, what your plans were for your life before you got really ill when you were 20. You can just maybe expand upon that a little bit for us, please. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I, I, it's funny, funny enough. I also always had this crazy um, obsession with nut- nutrition when I even when I grew up. I grew up in a very healthy. Um, well, obsessed, quote-unquote obsessed household. I grew up with sourdough tahini sandwiches with uh, alfalfa and sprouts and all that stuff. And I ate it up and I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. So I grew up in that kind of household. So I knew from the get-go that I always wanted to be a nutritionist or a dietitian. So I always seriously knew from that that was just my life goal I wanted to help others to be healthy and happy and I knew that nutrition was a big part of of life um and especially in my life because since I just you know said that I was struggling with a lot of chronic health stuff my mom already brought me to a lot of holistic people and who said you know your your daughter has to be um food on this diet or that diet, but it wasn't really an obsession back then. It was still um, uh, very helpful, actually, because she's, you know they told me you have to eat omega threes and you have to eat this or that and, and, and the supplementation. And so, yeah, I already knew from uh, from the beginning that I wanted to be a, a kick ass dietitian or a nutritionist. Who, yeah, just yeah, yeah.
1: That's great. Thank you, thank you, Danielle, for sharing that. Now. So, so you have these desires of moving forward and becoming a dietitian and really focusing on healthy eating and helping others and living, you know, living a healthy, um, you know, healthy life. And then mm-hmm. at 18, you, you get a bout of anorexia. And then it, when you turn, you know, 20, you start to get really sick and you know things start to really bubble bubble over for you. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit on that, you know, some of the symptoms you started experiencing at 20, um, you know, what what those were and what life was like before you figured out what was actually the root cause of those symptoms?
2: Yeah. Um, So when I was around 2021, um, I started my first year of university, and I was extremely busy with new projects, studying. I had sort of a social life. I was still very... Um, obsessed with exercise I loved it but at the same time it was, was also kind of an obsession I did eat enough but I think in hindsight maybe not you know really really enough for all the things I did um so um, within that first year, I started getting uh, pain in my left knee where actually the tick was found when I was seven. Uh, but I didn't think about the tick back then because I just thought, oh, that's weird. I've just pain in my left knee and I thought it was maybe an injury because I exercised a lot. So I started going to the physical therapist and they didn't couldn't find anything. I had an ultrasound and any kind of treatment, dry needling, you name it, I did it. And then um, within the next, Um, following weeks and months, the pain spread out through uh, my whole entire calf and then the other calf and then my upper leg and the other upper leg and then my arms, and the pain got just widespread all over my body. And then the exhaustion came along, and it was just this crippling exhaustion and brain fog that I just couldn't get out of. And I was crying over my own exams. I couldn't study anymore, Uh, but I still was this perfectionistic uh, type A person who just wanted to finish my first year of university so I pushed myself until I couldn't anymore and within that year I knew there was something going on there was something wrong but I didn't know what of course because I still wasn't diagnosed with anything so I went into every kind of um, treatment holistic kind of treatments because I still yeah didn't really in western medicine um and then at some point, I knew that I really, you know, needed, needed to do some type of blood test. And I did the Western blood, uh, blood test and the, um, the ELISA test, and um, the Lyme antibodies came, came up. So they noticed that I had an infection prior, but they said, yeah, it's not like an active infection anymore, so it's probably chronic Lyme. But uh, the Western blood or the ELISA, it's probably it's like flipping a coin, so it's 50-50 percent accurate. So you're really not sure if it's actually Lyme. And then I did the PCR test and a lot of other tests, and um, the the Lyme definitely came up. And then also some co-infections. Um, and yeah, and then 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 I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be healed. I know what it is right now. Um, but I of course didn't know. Um, what was ahead of me because I didn't know it was so freaking hard to get rid of Lyme. So,
0: yeah. So, Danielle, before you go a little bit further on this, and and you're at a very important point for us, I just want to go back and review some of what you just shared with us about your journey that began Mm -hmm. um, when you were 18. Do you believe that the challenge that you had with anorexia was a symptom of your Lyme? Or do you believe that your anorexia caused a change in your immune defenses that allowed the opportunistic disease to take off when you turned 21?
2: Yeah, the latter. Definitely the latter. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that. I mean, if you're um, malnourished, uh, under eating, underweight, you name it, super stressed. And not getting all the nutrients, your immune system, of course, is, is basically getting a big hit. And I already had the lime in my body, so it just came up, basically. That's what I believe.
0: Yeah. Do, do you think it's possible, Danielle, that uh, because the lime Boreella was competing mm-hmm. with your body for nutrients, that it's possible... Mm-hmm that the anorexia was triggered by the Lyme and then ultimately the Lyme took control of your, uh, of your nutrients and triggered the anorexia rather than the other way around?
2: Could be. I'm not sure, honestly. Um, th- that's something, of course, we never know. Um, I-, I think it's also my characteristics, type of person. I think whatever would have happened in my life Honestly, I think I would have gotten an eating disorder or anorexia in any way. I just, yeah, I feel like that.
0: Let me ask you one more question about that period in your life. You said that you had gone through some, uh, some changes during puberty which caused you to gain weight. Mm-hmm. And what I was wondering is whether or not the, uh, the nutritional tools that your parents had traditionally used with you Um, Mm -hmm. perhaps kept the boreal in control, and then rather than just the changes that were occurring in your body because of puberty, was there some change in the way that you were either living or eating or something different once you you, you gained your independence and started making different uh, nutritional decisions yourself?
2: Well, I was still living with my mom, so my my eating habits didn't really change that much. Um, it might have changed a little bit, but not that much. Um, but I definitely noticed a difference in my appetite, so I was hungry all the time. And, of course, when you're a teenager and you're at high school, you you eat a little more, quote-unquote, junk food. So it could happen. That could be the reason. Yeah, like I said, I'm not 100% sure. I think it's also hormonal differences, especially during that age, puberty, when puberty hits, we as women, oh, my God, our hormones are changing so much in a very short amount of time. So I don't even know, I think one girl who doesn't, drastically change physically and mentally. Um, and that's why a lot of women get, you know, put on the pill um, because they want to address the symptoms or basically diminish the, all the symptoms. So, but it could definitely be the thing you just said,
1: yeah. So, so Danielle, one, one thing I want to point out again for our listeners is that you were bit by this tick when you were seven years old in your left knee. And then, you know, here we are when you're 20 years old We're talking 13 Mm -hmm. years later, you started to develop pain in your left knee, and then it started to spread to cause, you know, chronic pain, exhaustion, fatigue, brain fog, things like that. So it's important to note that the the Lyme bacteria and other tick uh, tick diseases can remain dormant in your system, and your your immune system, if you're healthy enough, can actually fight it off and keep it at bay for years. And then when there's Mm -hmm. a life stressor, whether it's an emotional trigger or a physical trigger such as a car accident, that Lyme bacteria then can take over and really make you sick. So if you're bit by a tick and you get sick five years later, it certainly can be Lyme, and it could have been there all along, and now it just it's, it's had an opportunity to take over based on your life condition. So I think that's a really important note to outline in your specific case here. Um, and, and the second point I, I, I wanted to point out was, that you were positive for you know, you know, our CDC guidelines for a positive Lyme test with the, um, the ELISA and the Western blood tests, which look for an immune response, not actually the Lyme bacteria. Uh, and then they thought that could have been an, a past infection and maybe you had chronic Lyme. But then you still move forward to have a PCR blood test, which actually looks for the DNA of the Lyme bacteria in your blood rather than an immune response to the Lyme bacteria. And that came back positive as well. So there, you know, I think another good point to say that there are a variety of different tests out there for Lyme disease. None of them are 100%, some better than others. Uh, And just to make our audience aware that, you know, there are a lot of different tests. They're not 100% accurate. And if they don't test positive, you know, it doesn't mean it's not Lyme disease. So I just wanted to point out those two things about your journey. And I think, Danielle, yourself and, and me included, we're both fortunate that we had positive Lyme tests and, you know, we're able to have a conclusive diagnosis compared to some others who who never had that, um, on their end. So, um, so Danielle, after you finally got your
0: diagnosis after the various tests that you had taken, what was your, what was your plan? What was your healing plan?
2: uh i honestly i didn't know even where to start because at the same time i was also very very malnourished and underweight so that that's where things got complicated because everything was so intertwined with me because i didn't have any control over my body anymore i could barely move um let alone just walk uh, you know across the street i thought oh my god i seriously need to eat less and less and less because i'm not exerting any energy which is of course insane because you need more energy to heal from any infections or whatever is going on but in my 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 eating disorder brain thought oh my god I need to eat as little as possible so that's where things um, got really really complicated and I Went, uh, for the first time, I think I went to this um, Lyme doctor in Amsterdam, and he told me, you know, I really want to put you on an IV, but I seriously can't do that because you're so malnourished, so you first need to gain weight. Well, honestly, that's where um, basically shit hit the fan because I started oral antibiotics. Um, I think it was doxycycline and flachiel. we call it in Holland. I'm not sure what it's called in, uh, in the States. And I got extremely sick um, when I took it and I fainted a couple of times and um, yeah it was just too harsh on my body so I stopped after well I think a couple of weeks and um, yeah I just basically started more into a gentle kind of treatments because my body was just so fragile that I couldn't do any harsh treatments so I did more the holistic route and all that stuff and at the same time I was more so um, being admitted in all kinds of eating disorder clinics so that was basically my my first um, you know aim to gain more weight but that's my god that that was hard because my eating the eating disorder was getting stronger and stronger and stronger but at the same time my line was getting worse and worse and worse so I was in this constant spiral. Um, and, but I did, um, I did a bunch of treatments. My God, I don't even buy—I I don't even remember what kinds. But mainly a lot of holistic stuff. Uh, but I also did um, an, an IV of antibiotics uh, last year, and yeah, just so many things.
1: Danielle, when you when you first started getting the oral antibiotics, the doxycycline for your your Lyme disease. You said that made you very sick. Did you stop taking those antibiotics after a couple of weeks and then start in a, a, you know, a more holistic herbal approach, or did you continue on with the oral antibiotics? Okay, so you stopped the antibiotics and went to the holistic approach. Now, specifically with the holistic approach, were you taking herbs? Can you maybe, can you give us a little more detail about what you did holistically to treat the Lyme disease?
2: Yeah, well, we just talked about this off-air. Uh, we I did a lot of bioresonance. I'm not sure if I, you know, pronounce it right. Na- English is, is of course, not my native language. Uh, but we call it bioresonancy in, in Holland. It's bioresonance. It's very hard to explain. Um but yeah, it's just this woman, this lady I went to. She measured my whole body, and she got rid of a lot of toxins. Um, she noticed I had a lot of heavy metal toxicity, which made the Lyme worse. It was this cycle I was constantly in. Of course, when you um, when your immune system is so down, everything just yeah gets worse and worse and worse. So she got got me a little bit out of that. Um, yeah, basically horrific situation, and that made my energy a little better, Um, so I did mainly that, honestly, I did a bunch of supplements, I mean, from uh, coli, lactoferrum, of course, a lot of, I worked a lot on my gut, I, of course, had leaky gut, or I still do, I have SIBO, a a bunch of gut things, Um, so I started uh, working a lot on the gut, um, and at the simultaneously, and that was honestly, we can also talk about this this subject because this is my, yeah, the thing I, I nine out of ten times talk about the most is being put on an autoimmune protocol. So basically, that means eating uh, a certain way. Uh, that means that it you know reduces inflammation. And most people who have Lyme have been told they need to eat a certain autoimmune paleo diet. So I did that as well,
0: Danielle. I'm, I'm interested in what your thoughts were on turning to a Lyme doctor and using mm-hmm. a traditional protocol when you seem to have been raised um, in, uh, you know, by people and in, in a philosophy that was largely uh, non-traditional. Why, why did you turn to a, a Lyme doctor in the use of antibiotics?
2: um because i I didn't really know that much about Lyme in the first place, so when I started researching and my mom started researching you're you're at some time, at some point you're just at your wits end, you just want to get rid of the symptoms as fast as possible, and I was just helpless I thought oh my god what do what did do I do now, and who can help me and this so called Lyme doctor he was one of the best ones here in um well especially in my city. So I thought I'm just going to give it a go, not even knowing or really, you know, thinking uh, about the consequences it might, co- you know, cause me. Um, I think at some point you're just, you just want to get rid of the symptoms as fast as possible, which, yeah, I know it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense in hindsight. But at that moment, it was the most logical decision.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, know it doesn't make sense because I, I, I think one of the themes that's developing mm-hmm. um, with our guests is that it really mm-hmm. is a combination of Eastern and Western philosophies mm-hmm. that will give someone yeah. the best chance of succeeding with overcoming yeah. their chronic Lyme. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are because, you know, we now want you to tell us about what you would have done differently had you had the information now uh, I'm sorry. You had the information then that you have now, and how you're using that to help other people uh, and serve other people who are going through the challenges you went through.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it it all depends on. Um, I, I I don't think any de- making any decisions is wrong. Uh, I don't think the decisions I made back then were particularly wrong because yeah, at the, at that t- at that time, I thought I did the right thing. Um, uh, but I, of course, always am such a fan of, you know, first of all, listening to your gut, li- literally, um, and try to do what feels right for you. But, um, what, Eastern medicine, uh, like supplementation, uh, bioresonance, all the things I did after that were so helpful. And, um, if I could turn back time, I would definitely haven't done the oral antibiotics whatsoever, but, um, I also have to say that last year, not not that long ago, I did an, uh, an IV or an antibiotic IV and I um, did that for about a month and I thought, oh my God, what am I doing now? But I've never felt so great in my whole entire life being on that IV. I never expected that. And afterwards, uh, they tested me for Lyme again. And they couldn't find the Lyme anymore, which of course can mean it it has been hiding. Um, but after after having that IV, um, and it was a very heavy a doxycycline, uh azithromycin, we call it here. It was a lot of bunch of antibiotics. But after that, I felt so amazing. I felt like my old self again. So. You know, sometimes the mix of Eastern and Western medicine is just the right answer. I'm still, uh, honestly, I'm not an, a Lyme expert. I'm not 100% sure what is right for me right now. I wish I had the answer because then I would be, uh, you know, uh, be on top of the world right now. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm just being real here. Um, but, yeah, I think you just have to follow your own path.
1: Yeah, Danielle, can you, can you give us a little insight? You know, you mentioned your life before, uh, before Lyme. You mentioned the struggles you went through while you're, you were sick and before your diagnosis, and then your struggles with your diagnosis and your treatment. Can you talk a little bit about your how your life changed when you got sick and where you are now? So uh, sort of, you know, if you were, if, let's just say you were at 100% before, where you are today and what percent recovered you feel you are today from Lyme disease? And, and is your social life back, what, what your life's like today, and what you can do that you couldn't do before? Um.
2: Well, I of course, I also have different stages of my Lyme, and I, I had the eating disorder mixed in, so it was kind of, yeah, all over the place. But um, before I got sick, um, I just, you know, studied. I had the time of my life. I had a social life. I uh, dated. I just felt so amazing, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm just going to finish university. I'm going to start working. So, yeah, it was just amazing. And then uh, when, I, when the Lyme started... Um, and the eating disorder at the same time, again, it was just, uh, it wasn't the most fun time. And three years ago was actually, I was at my wits end. I had the most horrific, I, I don't tell a lot of people about this, uh, you know, about this part of my story because this was the hardest time of my life but three years ago I got this insane eye pain all of a sudden I was just sitting on my couch watching Netflix I was very malnourished and underweight honestly I still have to you know put that in and all of a sudden I got this extreme eye pain attack and it just lasted for at least eight months or well nine months and it was just 24-7 uh, out of this world excruciating pain no one could find anything uh the reason behind it uh, what it caused Every, every, you know, neurologist or doctor told me just take oxycodone as much as you want. Be a zombie for the rest of your life and that's it. It's probably due to Lyme. And that was three years ago. I'm still dealing with this chronic eye pain to this day. So that still means I can't work full time. I can't be be behind a laptop 24-7 or be on my phone for 24-7 or do all the things I want. But my life has changed so much because now I have my social life back again. I started my own coaching business. I'm helping others, uh, which is the most amazing feeling in this world. Um, Yeah, I'm just so – it sounds so, you know, um, like out there, but I'm so grateful for everything I went through because, yeah, I appreciate life so much more now.
1: Yeah, so so you really went from being able to being, you know, taken down by Lyme to, you know, you, you've made progress. I mean, you're 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 running your coaching business. You, you know, you still have some limitations, and and you know, I think you'll continue to grow and and heal. But it's great that you're able to now run your coaching business and help others, and you know, really you know, kind of take your, your steps forward. And we know that this isn't. There's no miracle cure for Lyme disease. It's a long you know, it's a long fight. Um, you're mm-hmm. you're on that journey. You've made progress, and you're going to continue to make more progress as time goes on. So. Uh, it's great that you're able to help others at this stage of your your um, illness. So, Danielle, tell us tell us what you would tell uh, a limey
0: like Matt. Um, uh, what what advice in your coaching program would you give to someone like like Matt Savatella?
2: Well, I'm, I, I presume Matt doesn't have an eating disorder at the same time, so that makes things a little easier, honestly, <laughs> because yeah. I coach ma- mainly people who have comorbidity so, and an eating disorder and a chronic uh, illness, so um, mainly Lyme. Um, but what I would tell Matt in this case, um, like I said before, just do whatever feels right for you right now. So feel just... <sighs> okay, I need a it. <laughs> I need no, to think so about Daniel, it.
0: You, you, you believe baked into into our system is a um, is a a capacity to understand what we need to do to get better. Am I am mm-hmm. I right in, in in describing your feeling about that?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's almost like That'd listen
1: be- to your body, listen to what your body's telling you and and take the lead from from how you're feeling and what your body's telling you, right? So you know, you, we know better than anybody else how we're feeling and what makes us better and what makes us worse. So to listen to yourself and really focus on, you know, what your body is telling you, I think, is, is what your, your takeaway is for this, right? So, Danielle, you're, you're, known
0: as, as the, you're known as the queen of being the open book. And uh, one of the things that I really admire about all that you're putting into the universe is that you're telling people it's okay to be an open book, it's okay to feel the way you feel, and you should be listening to yourself. Isn't that really the core of your philosophy and your coaching?
2: Oh, absolutely. And also never be ashamed of who you are and what you've gone through, because I think opening up the conversation and the dialogue is such a tremendous thing. Um, Being more vulnerable, I, I feel like vulnerability is one of the greatest things we have. And if we could just share our own stories with each other, how beautiful is that? I mean, yeah, it's just – it's a way better off connection with other people.
0: And, of course, the only way that you're going to be able to help your doctors uh, or whoever you're working with uh, to partner in your healing journey um, is for you to be honest with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I, think, I think folks need to work with people like you so you can help them to be honest uh, about their challenges and be comfortable with their challenges so that they can then use that information to make smart treatment choices.
2: Yeah, 100%. Definitely, yeah.
1: So, Danielle, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there one thing that you can think of that you haven't shared with others or haven't really put out there that you can share with us about your experience with Lyme and and tick diseases and and your chronic illness that could hopefully help somebody else in their journey?
2: Um, Well... Yeah, it sounds very cliché and cheesy, but never give up, I always say, and it, it feels like the most easy thing to say, but honestly, I you know, I was about to give up so many times. I just thought I'm just never going to be the my old self and um I'm 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 still not 100% or better or okay. I'm I'm not at all. Um, but I've come such a long way, and that's because I never gave up the fight. Of course, you have some periods in your life when you think, oh, I just can't anymore, and that's fine. Just take a break from treatment or whatever. Just literally take a chill pill. Just relax a bit. Don't do anything if you don't feel like it, but then start searching and looking for other answers because they're, they're, they are out there.
0: Vino, can you share with our listeners... How they could get in touch with you so that you could help them to take these in first two steps they will be required to take in order to be able to begin their healing journey. That being, they have to be okay with being themselves, uh, and they can never give up. How can how can folks get in touch with you so that you can help them start their journey toward uh, healing?
2: Well, you can find me. Um, you mean my website, right?
0: However, however, folks would get in touch with you. I, I I think I think you could bless many people with. Uh, with your coaching program, and uh, I I, I feel like Matt and I have learned a great deal from you today about how um, important it is for folks to take the first two steps in this journey, that being they have to be okay with themselves, they have to be like you, the queen or king of uh, being an open book, and then they have to have um, an endurance mindset so they can get through this and recognize that, uh, that they're going to get better, but they can't give up. And, and these are two very, very important, uh, I think, issues that folks need, to ha- need help with, and I think you're one of the people uh, in the universe that's, that's helping with that.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, one of the main things I feel like there's a lack of, in, um, especially in the coaching world, There are not many people, especially not in Europe, who coach women and men. I mean, it's more prevalent, unfortunately, with women who have eating disorders and chronic health issues. So mainly people with, um, I, I coach a lot of women with Lyme and an eating disorder, and it's so hard when you are chronically ill and being put on a certain protocol, like I talked before, you know, about before um, being put on a certain autoimmune protocol and have to eat certain things or cut out entire food groups, and then at the same time um, also re- trying to recover from an eating disorder. That seems the, like the most impossible thing in the world, but it's definitely possible. And I, I try to, um, yeah, I try to guide guide women in that area. So um, if you want to be coached by me, you can find me on my website, um, dannyvankay.com, or you can find me um, on social media on, under Danny Van Kaye on everywhere.
1: Great. Thank you, Danielle. So again, your website is dannyvankay.com. There's a button right at the top of your website to get in touch if they're interested in you know, utilizing you as a coach. And that's Mm -hmm. the best way for them to get in touch with you if they'd like to to seek your your counsel. Um, We think what you're doing is is a great service. And um, you're also an inspiration. We found you on Instagram. And, you know, we just right away just loved what you were doing so people can find you on social media as well. And you use that same handle on social media as well. It's uh, the Danny Van Kay handle, D-A-N-I-E-V-A-N-K-A-Y handle on social media.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Thank you, Danielle Van Klaut. For your great interview, I'm
0: sure our listeners have learned a great deal based on how you went through your very powerful journey. So thank you very much for sharing your expertise and your experience so graciously to our listeners. We have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Danielle, please follow her on Instagram at uh, Danielle Van K. Uh, D a n i e l l e V a n K a y. At YouTube on Danny Van Kay, D A N I E V A N K A Y, or her blog, DannyVanKay.com forward slash blog. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Camp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons at the bottom of our post. Third, Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and get the automatic episode updates for our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes. This is a new effort on our part, and we'd really like you to help us out to create the show that you would like to listen to. We make a point to read every single review um, that you send to us one at a time. Thank you for listening. I'm Rich Johannesson. I'm Matt Sabatella. And this is Tick Bootcamp.